principles just yet. Uh, you need to figure out what do you stand for and be ready to, um, you know, advocate for it. And I know the, the, the monarchy today, it's basically, they're figureheads. They're just tax-funded figureheads. They're not actually in power the way they used to be. But we're not here to talk about monarchy today. We are here to talk about uh, a statement made by England's sweetheart, England's favorite red-headed stepson, Prince Harry. The, uh, the man said something like, COVID-19 is what we get for messing with Mother Nature. Now, at a glance, that may look like a very childish thing to say, but I will uh, challenge you on this, folks. I will ask you, is this not basically the commonplace way people look at topics like this? Don't, don't, doesn't the mainstream philosophy in, in all its variants tend to look at nature as though it's a living entity with an opinion who we need to respect lest it punish us? And before you say, before you uh, shy away from what I'm getting at, I mean, think about environmentalism. Think about, th name me a philosopher. Name me a, an influential philosopher in the intellectual world that sees the individual as having kind of the last word on what he observes and determines to be true. It tends to be, well, no, actually his economic class is sort of what's most sort of uh, calling, calling it or, you know, the, the, you know his, his, his culture, his country, his planet, the universe itself is, has an awareness, I think was was Hegel's take on things. So I'm not entirely sure, but they all seem to agree that it's not the individual who really looks at the world. And uh, that type of uh, negation of the individual's first-handed ability to observe tends to come with an ethics that says you need to sacrifice in one way or another. You need to sacrifice. And that's what I see everywhere. And that's what we're trying to change with by promoting Ayn Rand's philosophy. So um, it, what Prince Harry said was not radical. What he said was the mainstream. And I know some of you are nodding your head and going, oh yeah, those stupid leftists, those stupid progressives. Well, I'll challenge you again. Is Jordan Peterson's philosophy, his metaphysics, his secular side, you know, put aside his Christian, his Christian stuff. Is Jordan Peterson's sort of take on evolutionary psychology? Is it so, does, does it have nothing to do? Is it, is there no way that his perspective could end up leading to somebody saying nature is punishing us for messing with nature? Or just, you know, Dennis Prager, his sort of weird blend of, of science with religion, acting like the two are compatible. Does the way that he treats, you know, God as though God is running the show, is that not, could that not lead to anyone? Maybe it won't lead Prager to say this, but is it inconceivable that Prager's grandchildren are going to say, yeah, God slash nature is punishing us for not respecting her? I mean, I'm just saying, you know, there's, uh, there's reason, there's actual rationality, and then there's everything else. So rather than just laughing Prince Harry off the stage, I will offer you, we need to really, really understand what is the alternative that we are offering. And I will offer you, that if Prince Harry really wanted to be a radical, if he really wanted to be controversial, he would have said, we have not exploited nature enough. We need to exploit this planet much more efficiently. We need to have laissez-faire capitalism and uh, protect individual rights, including economic rights, uh, property rights, taken to their extreme. 
And we need to really let these billionaires uh, do their thing without shackles so that we can get a gosh darn vaccine and keep on enjoying life. So now that my uh, 35 minute opening monologue is done, we have, uh, you know, two seconds left of the show. So let me introduce today's co-host, <laughs> a guy who, um, I mean, is there a, a greater tribute to the exploitation of nature than the technology and human introspective skills that goes into the creation of the film arts. Please welcome Mark Pellegrino. <laughs> What's up, man? Hey, yeah, that, was, uh, that, was a, that, that was a super long, uh, it was a five minute, 35 minute uh, introduction. It was well done. You crammed it all into five minutes. Oh, um, hey, hey I, I mean, I think I think it's a sign a sign of uh, of the end when there's no substantial difference between a village shaman's point of view of the world and a, a first world political pundit or a scientist or or thinker. That's 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 pretty frightening. And you threw a lot on the wall. I'm not even sure where 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 to begin. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I could say that in the practical sense. Uh, from the political perspective, this 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 sort of old world notion of the, the the primacy of nature, or nature has a consciousness, nature is punishing us, nature's nature is sort of uh, the primary element here in the world. It, it sort of provides endless correlations, doesn't it? So that 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 drag the scientific community and semi-rational people into it, because you can almost identify any problem as stemming from a relationship between man and the environment. And those, those endless correlations uh, provide endless justifications for means, and means of, of alleviating uh, the problem. So it's, so it's definitely an, an open-ended proposition with respect to power and the acquisition of power. When you claim this is the problem that we have to solve and the only solutions are, and everything, everything seems to go back, go back to this initial right uh, problem sort of the matrix of everything um and we have to band together to find solutions it's 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 uh it's it's a endless endless uh, justification uh, rationalization uh system to me yeah and it seems like we've um we've moved uh what what do you call it when you degrade when you uh digress uh, not digress when you, rather than progress you regress uh we've yeah. regressed away from the the statement, nature to be commanded must be obeyed. You know, that was sort of like uh, what some have called like kind of the statement of the enlightenment, kind of the birth of the scientific revolution. Francis Bacon said, nature to be commanded must be obeyed, must be obeyed, but can be commanded. And today, um, again, like everywhere you look, you've got whether it's religious shamans or mainstream intellectuals or apparently the prince of of Wales or England or whatever his technical title is saying, yeah, mother nature, you know, will not, you know, will not tolerate us messing with her. Like as though nature, mother nature is a person. Look, we don't need permission from God and we don't need permission from quote nature. We can actually solve all the problems that ail us if given Liberty. And if we properly employ the scientific method to dealing with it. So we is, so is Harry saying we should not be using as much technology I'm pretty sure technology is what we need in the form of medicine and, uh, you know, masks and whatever else it takes to deal with this problem. I think he's coming at it from the point of view that so many artists and thinkers have for so long, that, that human beings are an, are an artifice, that what they do in the world is artificial. 
It's not natural. Um, and because it's not natural and the natural is equated with the good, um, it, it is bad. It is inherently bad. It's bad qua being an active man, right? I think what we have to do to, to shift the moral um, argument in our favor is to start, um, start throwing out there the notion that human action in the world isn't bad. If we, if we, if we, if we keep equating the idea of using the environment um, with uh, exploitation, uh, I don't think we're going to win the argument. You know, exploitation is a, is a pejorative term. But if we if we if we start putting out there the idea that oh, it's quite natural for human beings to interact with the environment to change it to make human life better, um, and and that that is what production is. Production is the intermingling of thought and human action with the environment to combine elements in such a way as to create something new. That's human, and that's natural. It's as natural as as the rain. It's as natural as a waterfall. Uh, a, a dam, a dike, a house, um, uh, a computer are all natural means by which human beings take the environment and make it better for human life. So uh, to, to worship nature and untouched nature is to hate humanity. So let, I mean, I think we just, we, we, we sort of have to shift the argument from humans should exploit the earth to humans should be allowed to live humanly. Yeah, I mean, I, of course, it, the, the argument isn't entirely um, let's go exploit. The, the point I was making is if, if, if Prince Harry thinks his statement was controversial, he's wrong. What would be controversial would be to take like the most fiery elements of the ob like objectivist uh, take on things and state it like that. But yeah, if, if the point is to um, persuade people, I think you have to start with their values and what what kind of irks me about the royal family, or at least about Prince Harry, I'm, I don't know if there's anything he wants. I mean, I, I'm sure he loves his wife. I'm sure he, he probably enjoys the, the sort of philanthrop philanthropic work they're doing together and whatnot. But if somebody doesn't actually like uh, want for anything, I, I don't know if there's ever, like, if there's getting them, um, to really be open to uh, new radical ideas. So you need to reach for people's values. You need to ask the person, what do you want? You know, think of the world like you're a child in a toy store and you can take anything you want, but what are those toys in your case? You might ask them. And one of them might say, I really wanna, you know, be a doctor one day, or I really wanna be an artist or whatever it is. And now the next question is, okay, well, what, like, what does it take for you to have that? And, you know, and, and what does that kind of life include? So. Um, that of course leads us to realize, yeah, we need to deal with this planet a certain way. We need to recognize our method of survival is to employ our rational faculty to live by the facts. And that is the human way to live. We're not, you know, just perceptual animals who just are like, uh, confined to a tiny environment that we happen to be adapted to that, you know, we're, you know, uh, less, you know, um, excluding any, any disasters, we're able to survive for kind of a, a full lifespan uh, by just kind of repeating motions. We need to actually plan long-term. We need to actually organize what we observe and live by those facts. And that is the ethical thing to do. So again, re reaching for people's values is the first step. Um, I, don't, I don't think it is quite possible to change the world by uh, punching at Prince Harry. 
which is why I'm sort of challenging the audience saying, well, before you kind of make fun of Harry, he is basically stating the mainstream perspective on things and the opposition to the mainstream coming from the right is largely basically this fundamentally the same in one way. Like it's not radically different. Ayn Rand is who I would say is base is really challenging uh, what it is that Harry is proposing. I, ag I agree with you, but go figure a guy who lives at uh, taxpayers expense and has never had to earn a value in his life doesn't understand what it means to earn a value. So it's so it's easy for him to separate uh, separate value acquisition from from work and human needs and life. He, he can compartmentalize all those in his rationalist universe because he's he's never had to he's never had to integrate that. He's never had to work for anything really. And and to your point earlier, I think it's even more appalling that they have a royalty that lives at taxpayer expense and does very little for that in any respect and has very little power um, uh, other than engaging in what they call philanthropy. I think it's that's even more hideous. I, I'm going to I'm going to try to encourage all my uh, brothers and sisters in the UK to throw off the monarchy. I mean, I know you say we have to replace it with something else and we have to have that that positive value before we we uh, it would create the vacuum by pulling them out. But hey, OK, I get that. But it's time for them to go. Give, give Prince I, Harry something to think about. So maybe maybe he'll he'll uh, he'll be a little more circumspect about uh, about about promoting ideas that, uh, you know, shackle human action. Yeah, I remember many, many years ago, I was watching uh, The Daily Show with Jon Stewart and he was interviewing someone who wrote a book about the royal family. And Jon Stewart asked the guy like, oh, man, it must be uh, tough for the royals to pay for all those big homes and castles and all, all the, you know, since none of them have jobs, it's got to be tough, huh? And the, the, the author got the point that John was making. And he goes, well, you know, it is a known fact that the queen, you know, flips off light switches whenever nobody's using the light, like whenever no one's in the room. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's cute. But, but then, you know, but they, they got into a mini argument and the author of the book on the royals, he, he made the point, he said, one, one uh, service that having this sort of uh, remnant of the monarchy in place offers is that it keeps the political climate from quickly being shaped by politicians. And um, when you look at what England uh, was up against with, you know, 20th century Europe, like just the rise of fascism all around, it's understandable that they don't want any fast change happening too fast. Um, but I agree, I agree ultimately, the, the royal family, is a, it's a, they're living off of people's tax dollars. And then you see these uh, appeals to the collective good again. When people argue, they go, oh, well, the royals, they bring in tourism. They bring, you know, they, it helps the economy. Oh, okay, great. How about I take everybody's money by force and then I'll, I'll bring in tourism. Trust me. I'll, 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 I can find a way to bring in tourism when I can live like a king at the uh, forced expense of my countrymen. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a violation of people's rights to tax them in the first place, let alone to tax them so that they can have these people living lavishly and they need to salute those royals. It's ridiculous. So I think we're, we're basically on the same page. Good. Good. So now what's the solution? What's our what's our counter to Harry? What's our counter to these uh, these people that seem to dominate uh, the culture right now? 
Uh, reach for people's values. Ask the, indiv- ask the individual person, like, what is it you want out of life? And now what does that require? And then sort of uh, lead, uh, lead them to realize that reason is required. And reason means something in particular. It's not just deductions with numbers in your mind. It actually, it, it starts with your sense organs, obser- observation and properly organizing data, being objective. And then uh, to make the point that pursuing that life that you want is the ethical, moral thing to do. It's not, you're, it's not a crime against nature. Human civilization is not a crime against nature, but rather uh, pursuing the life that you want, that is the highest so-called moral calling there can be. And there's no argument against it. It's always an appeal to mysticism. It's always been um, uh, arguments against egoism have always relied upon ignorance or evasion. So, uh, so I mean, so get, a, get rid of the unearned guilt, I would tell people. And now uh, come to realize that your life belongs to you. And in order to live that life, in order to build that life, capitalism, liberty, individual rights are required. And, and I would say uh, get, get out of the notion that human, uh, human existence is something separate from nature, that human adjustments to the environment are artificial. They're not. It's, it's the natural way the human being interacts with his environment and the natural way a human being pursues values, pursues, pursues his life. Um, just like a lion or a, a sheep has its own ways of pursuing values, hum, humans have their unique ways of pursuing values. And that's natural. It's a part of nature. I would also say that when people are free to think and interact and combine, in, in their, combine elements in their world, the tendency is towards a cleaner uh, world, a better world. I mean, perfect, a perfect example of this in, 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 our, uh, in our real life existence was the, you know, at one time whale oil was used to, to light lamps. And then, then a guy uh, uh, named Rockefeller came along and made kerosene cheap and available to people. And uh, that reduced uh, dependence on whale oil, which in, in essence saved entire populations of whales. And then along came Thomas uh, Edison to unseat Rockefeller, which decreased the dependency on oil for certain things and provided light to people um, with, with very little pollution. And, and the evolution of, of uh, inventions is towards using less and less and less raw materials to sustain more and more and more people. What farming is a perfect example. 99% of the people only 200 years ago were farmers. Now it's less than 1% and they use a fraction of the land, a fraction of the water, a fraction of the resources. So if you're an environmentalist, you should be pro the natural way in which human beings interact with their environments because it's about combining in in increasingly efficient ways so that you, you waste less and there's less toxic byproduct as a result. Absolutely. I mean, the internet is another great example of how technology um, saves us from polluting whatever that is. Like, um, if you think chopping down trees is, you know, is a problem, which I mean, it's actually not because the lumber companies plant more trees as they're being chopped down. But regardless, even if you think trees have feelings and they don't like being chopped down or whatever it is that your kindergarten teacher told you is true about trees, the internet made it so we can communicate constantly without paper. So, I mean, I could buy this one piece of plastic and I can communicate with people all over the world all day and all night. And, uh, 
you know, it's, it's all digital. So technology is, is good for the sort of uh, preservation of the planet, if you like. I mean, it eliminates burning of stuff, ultimately, the, the more efficient we get. So, yeah, I agree with everything you said. Um, this, this premise needs to be identified, that the idea that nature is one thing and then human activity is a separate thing and sort of a, it's like cheating. Um, and this sort of reminds me of kind of uh, an argument, a mini argument that came up in the Thanksgiving episode between Jonathan and Nikos about the treatment of the Native Americans. And um, I think when dealing with that too, people sort of by default side with the indigenous people always, regardless of the facts. And that's been carried over, I think, to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict where the you know, the, the presumed indigenous people are presumed innocent no matter what because they're closer to nature. And then the more civilized side, the more technological side is presumed guilty no matter what because they are the ones exploiting the planet and all of that. So at that point, you kind of the facts and events are not even going to sway anybody's opinion. It's just the question is just, well, you know, who's living most um, sort of in the most pristine and um, kind of non-technological way and who uh, who is least westernized or technological. So um, these these types of premises, these premises about the relationship between the human being and, you know, nature is it's sort of it's sort of everywhere. I think once we identify it, we, we it might change the way we look at a lot of different controversial issues. So I think we've we, I think we've identified it now. Uh, let, it's out there in the world now, and hopefully other people will make the same integrations and we can start changing the way people look at humans and the environment. That's right. And uh, if you want to help us do that, you know, you can uh, become a member of the Ayn Rand Center UK. Also, you can uh, use our super chat feature to ask questions or leave comments or just use the feature without any further comments. It's all welcome. And it helps us uh, change the world one mind at a time. Hey, what if we can reach Prince Harry? What if he comes across this episode and it gets him to rethink things when the respectful, thoughtful way we went about this actually makes him open to hearing our point of view. And if we can change his mind, he has a lot of influence. His wife will leave him, but he'll have a lot of influence on the world. So let's see what happens. You know, if you dream it, you can do it. Amen. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Rosie, behind the scenes. And thank you for watching at home. See you soon. Thanks, guys.